You're listening to the Business with Purpose podcast with your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com. This podcast takes you behind the scenes with some of the world's most generous entrepreneurs, from the CEOs of mission-driven brands to directors of small community nonprofits and everything in between. Molly is sitting down with men and women who believe in changing the world not only through their personal lives, but also their professional careers. And now, here's Molly. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Business with Purpose podcast. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome, 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 welcome. We are so happy to have you. And there are nearly 50 episodes in the archives that you can go back and listen to with so many amazing entrepreneurs and CEOs and business leaders and speakers and authors and people that truly will challenge and inspire you to do more with your personal life and your professional career. If you are a regular listener of the show, as you guys know, I am so appreciative of your support and encouragement week in and week out. Today, I have a special favor to ask. Would you guys head on over to iTunes and would you leave a review of the show? Reviews of the show just really help to grow and also gives me the feedback that I need to know what you guys are liking, if you have ideas for guests and things like that. Also, would you take a moment to share the show with a friend this week? You can use the hashtag Business with Purpose podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever social network you like, and you can share your favorite episode. I have loved seeing some of you share the episodes that you're listening to and how they've inspired and encouraged you. And it just, it motivates me. It keeps me excited. And it really just helps me to know what you guys love. So thank you so much for doing that. My guest this week is Holly Wade. She is the co-founder of Trades of Hope. Trades of Hope is a jewelry and accessories company that is working with artisans in developing nations all over the world. They are empowering them through dignified jobs, fair wages, and so, so much more. Honestly, there were a couple points in my conversation with Holly where I was tearing up. I was on the verge of just bawling. Her story is incredible. She had a heart attack in her early 40s and realized that she needed to wake up and that she needed to do something more with her life. And that led her down a path to eventually starting Trades of Hope. We also got into a really interesting conversation about the business model of direct sales. And honestly, I loved it. I loved talking about the empowerment that can happen with the direct sales business model. So I want you guys to listen to this and I really want to challenge you to think a little bit differently this week about direct sales as a business model. I love this conversation with Holly about this. I'm This is something I'm really passionate about and maybe there's even a blog post in the works about it, but I would love to hear your feedback. And it's one of those things that I think the more that we can have these conversations, the more that we can empower and encourage other women in business. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Holly. Hey, Holly, welcome to the show. Thanks, Molly. So excited to be here. I'm so excited to finally connect with you. I I'm, I realize for the listeners, they're going to be like, really, Molly, you're always excited. But no, I really am because we, we first connected over email a few months ago. And so this is just, it's like a long time coming. So I'm so excited to finally have you on the show and to hear the Trades of Hope story, hear your story. I'm, I'm so excited. Awesome. I love to share it and I love what you're doing with all of your guests and sharing great things in the world. And so I'm so honored to be one of them. Thank you. Thank you. That really means a lot. Um, Well, I want to go ahead and just dive right in because there's so much I want to know and so much I want to ask. So um, to get us started, Holly, I would love if you do what all my guests do, and that's give us 
the Holly 101. So tell us your story, how you, you know, you're, you know, you can start wherever you like in your life. Some people are like, do you want me to start when I was born? Like where, if that is relevant, then yes. <laughs> so um, tell us your story and, and what has led you to where you are today and starting Trades of Hope. Okay. Well, um, uh, at about 40 years old, I actually uh, found out that I had had a heart attack and um, kind of freaked out because, um, you know, I had five kids, um, married, my husband's a pastor. And I remember thinking, you know, uh, what a lot of people think when some kind of tragedy happens, Mm. like, oh my goodness, like, have I accomplished everything I was supposed to? Because I found out that I had some heart issues and, um, you know, you know, what happens a lot, you just get terrified and think I'm going to die. What's going to happen to my children and all that stuff. And I just started really asking those hard questions that we ask in our lives sometimes like, okay, have I fulfilled the destiny that God had on my life? Have I led a life that if something happened to me tomorrow, I'm proud of? Um, And have I left something for my five kids to learn from and grow from? And I felt like there was just something more that I was supposed to do. Uh, So I started really praying about what that would be. And uh, my husband being a pastor, you know, we've um, gone on mission trips and stuff. And I really felt like with my background, my parents were these kooky entrepreneurs that did all kinds of crazy things, moved us to Florida. We lived in a tent. Um, Their lifestyle was very entrepreneurial. So I just really felt like there was something in me that said, I'm supposed to mix that missional background with that entrepreneurial background. Mm -hmm. And there's something more that God wanted me to do. So I started praying about it. I ended up at a home party for candles. And I remember sitting there thinking like, wow, this is really cool. I loved that um, my friend was leading it and she was the CEO of her own business. She made her own time. She could stay home with her kids if she wanted to. Um, and that it was a party going on. I'm a very social person. I'd love that there was a party going on. And I remember just, I, keep, I kept thinking about that and thinking in my mind, like, how could we do this whole home party thing in a way um, that could really transform the lives of people all over the world? What if we sold uh, products that women made uh, in some of these countries that I had been in the poverty that I had seen? And honestly, just always felt so blessed being born in America, being born in the family I, I was born into and the opportunities that you just realize in the rest of the world they do not have. Yeah. And I thought, uh, you know, there's a Bible verse that I love that talks about, you know, if you have the ability to act Um, then there's a responsibility to act, to Mm. do something. And I really felt like I had the ability um, and the blessings that God had given me. And who knows how long we have, right? Um, Right. And I, you know, after that heart attack, I remember rolling up in in a ball and just being so afraid to do anything. And I realized to live in fear is to not live at all. So I knew, like, I have to just, you know, live out the destiny God's called me to. And so after being at that home party, my I just started praying about that. And um, I also was praying, you know, God, you've got to bring the right people for me to connect with. And um, my friend Gretchen, she and I were walking on the beach and and Gretchen was sharing with me. She started an orphanage in Haiti, um, a medical clinic in Haiti and a school in Haiti. And her heart was you know, uh, for the same things my, my heart was for. And she was talking about, you know, ways that she could help. And so it was in that walk on the beach that we realized, like, there is something here that God really wants us to do. Mm-hmm. And um, to be honest, I struggled with the whole home party thing. Um, yeah. I'm kind of ashamed to say this, but I just didn't grasp it. And I thought like, well, aren't those like all pyramid schemes? Oh, <laughs> and- yes. The, the common <laughs> misconception. <laughs> Yeah. And um, so I really had to work through that 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 business model. Yeah. 
And I really kept praying about it. And, you know, God is so big because he knows. And now I know. I mean, we've created an army of marketers. And had it been just an online uh, helping women around the world sell their products, you know, it would have been us like, you know, yelling from the mountaintop. But now we have over 5,000 women yelling from the mountaintop mm-hmm, saying, mm-hmm. you know, um, the needs of these women around the world and sharing their beautiful products. Yeah. We sell jewelry, home decor, bags, scarves. And God just opened up this incredible door for us to partner together and then to bring our daughters along with us. Um, mm-hmm. Our daughters, I think, were 17 and 15 at the time. We started in 2010. Um, we connected uh, with some of Gretchen's connections in Haiti, um, and uh, our daughters are very um, entrepreneurial themselves. They started Facebook pages and the website, and uh, just saw like overnight, immediately like people emailing us saying, "We love this idea. We would love to be a part of it," um, and recognizing that I'm really proud that we are helping to create American jobs yeah. at the same time as we are creating jobs for women in desperate places all over the world. Absolutely. And, you know, we're focused on women who, um, our, our business is predominantly women. It's 80% women, 20% men. And we do that because um, women still do not have equality around the world. I mean, 40% of all working women around the world make less than $2 a day. Yeah. And so, and we know that when we empower one woman out of poverty, statistically, she brings four other women with her. So yes. we knew, yes, we knew the focus um, would be on women. Um, God gave us the business model. Um, God gave us, uh, so there's four founders, uh, Gretchen Heitchkins, her daughter, Elizabeth Heitchkins, my daughter, Chelsea Antos, and myself. Uh, we started it seven years ago in 2010. We started it in a storage unit. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's always fun because you always hear how people start things. And uh, we each put in a thousand dollars and God literally has just blessed it. Um, hmm. Honestly, I always say it obviously was God's idea from the very beginning because it is such an incredible thing to be able to. I pinch myself sometimes, honestly, to think that God has allowed me to be part of something that he is doing all over the world. I think we're in 16 or 17 uh, different countries. Wow. We have, I think, uh, 30 groups about now. And we have had, you know, the ability to uh, travel to these countries to impact uh, people that I never would have dreamed we could see their lives change so so substantially. I mean, and the trajectory of their life and their children's lives change. Um, And the icing on the cake is what I never really thought about and now see how big God was, is the women here in the United States. We actually do have two groups here in the United States um, uh, one in LA and one in, one in Tennessee, helping women that were um, uh, in the sex industry oh, wow. out of it. And I, and I just, I'm, I'm blown away what, what God can do when you say, I'm terrified, but yes, I will do this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's been an incredible, incredible journey. Oh man, Holly, I just, there's so much that you just said that I, I just, I love because one, there's, it's so clear how much you attribute the success, the growth, and the um, just the impact that the company that Trades of Hope has had on on the Lord, and how you just said yes. And I, you know, I, I I was having this conversation the other day with a couple of friends about what it means to really listen to what we feel like God is calling us to do, and. Mm-hmm. 
you know, for if you're listening and you're not a Christian or if and, and you're like, oh, not those like Christianese terms, <laughs> you know, or if you are a Christian and you're just like, man, like everybody always talks about like God's plan, God's plan. How do you know what God's calling is on your life? It is a it's something that when you really feel sometimes I almost think that when it feels uncomfortable and when it feels uh, unsafe, <laughs> I don't <laughs> even know if that's the right word or if. If it feels um, scary, then sometimes that is exactly the path that God is leading us to. And um, because a lot of times it's that it's that feeling, that gut feeling of needing to just step out in faith and trust that God has the path already laid out for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and one of my favorite sayings is if your dreams don't scare you, then they're not big enough. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. He he does. I mean, he faith is stretching us out of those comfortable places. And Mm -hmm. honestly, that's where we meet him the most is in those places where we can't do it. And we actually rely on him to do it through us. Mm. So uh, this past Sunday at our church, um, we had a guest pastor and um, and uh, it was actually a, a, a woman guest pastor out of Illinois, and she preached this message on just kind of talking about redefining success and what does it mean to to live out God-sized dreams. So it's just very timely that we're having this conversation now. But one of the analogies that she gave in the sermon, I just was like, oh, man, that's good. So if you've ever seen, have you ever seen Indiana Jones? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Indiana Jones, classic movie. Um, So if you've seen it, then you'll know this scene. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to sort of paint a quick picture for you. But there's this scene where Harrison Ford's character, Indiana Jones, is um, he's, you know, following this this map and he gets to basically this cliff and he has to cross over this this like huge ravine type area and he steps to the edge and he sees that there's just this huge drop but he has to get to the other side and he has to get to the other side in order to accomplish his goal his mission mm-hmm. and he is looking and he's just like i don't i don't see a way i don't there's no way i can jump there's no way i can make it you know, I don't see a way across this giant ravine. And he just keeps hearing that, you know, this is what he's supposed to do. This is what he's supposed to do. So he literally has to step out in faith and trust that there is a path. And Mm -hmm. so he takes this step and there's this like, basically there's this invisible path that he's able to walk across to get to the other side of this ravine. And when he gets to the other side, he turns around and he kind of puts, like throws some dust on it to reveal the path to others behind him. Mm. And she basically said, you know, that analogy of sometimes we have to just step out in faith, literally just take that step. And we have no idea if there's a path underneath our feet, but we have to trust and have the faith that God has put that path there. And so that we can take that step and walk across. And, And then she said, and sometimes it takes you trusting that God has laid the path out and then you making that path clear for others behind you to also take that path. Oh, that's awesome. I know. And I was like, man, that was good. Like I was like, I got to write that down. And Mm -hmm. it just, it's so clear that that is a lot of what you, you did is just Mm -hmm. not sure, you know, you, you had this, you know, this tragedy, you know, happened to you. You had a heart attack. You, you're feeling like, I don't, you know, I, 
what am I living my life for? And it's just like you just took this big step. And then from there, like think about how many other lives have been impacted by that path that you you laid out. Isn't that I mean, it's just oh, I just I love thinking about that stuff. Yeah, God, he God just blows my mind. I mean, I truly do believe that every person was created for greatness. Mm -hmm. I believe that. And that's that is the calling that I feel like is really on my life. Um, It's not it's not trades of hope. It's helping empower women to be all they were created to be. And that's women around the world. That's women in the United States. That's my daughters. Um, And I think I was so afraid. I remember crying on my bed to my husband, like on the days that were really hard in doing this because everything's scary. It's Mm -hmm. so new. I mean, you know, I had never started a business like this before. So I was scared. And I remember crying to him and saying, I am so afraid. But Mike, I'm so afraid not to try. I'm more afraid not to fulfill the calling on my life than I am to do it. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't let me give up. Don't let yes. me quit bad days um, yeah. because there's nothing like living out the calling on your life. But mm-hmm. it is scary. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, now, I want to I want to talk about something uh, that you had kind of you briefly mentioned, um, but I think it's an important conversation to have. And that is the notion that you were a little unsure of the direct sales business model. And um, I, you know, this is a conversation I love to have with people, especially people who, who maybe are, well, I like to have it with two groups of people. One, people who love and believe in the direct sales model. Right, and two, right. people who think that it's a pyramid scheme. Because I'm like, right. well, one, pyramid <laughs> schemes are illegal. Uh, so there's that. But I like trying, I like debunking the myths of the pyramid scheme. I actually am involved in a direct sales company. It's not what I do full time, but it's a part of my life. And I, you know, it was something that actually just kind of happened because I, you know, it was one of those things I bought the products. I loved the products. I was telling everybody about them because I love them so much. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait, I guess I'm sort of doing this as a business now. Like, I mean, it just, but I think for a long time, I was also unsure of the direct sales model. And I, I was I just associated, I had a negative association with it. Right. It felt like scammy. It felt skeezy. It felt like I was just (laughs) going to be bothering people. And the truth is, is that that's not true at all. And um, so I would love for you to kind of share, one, why you were a little unsure of the direct sales model. And two, why you think the direct sales model is so great. Because I know I have my reasons of why I think it's so great. Um, But I mean, I really would love, especially from you being somebody who was unsure about it and then starting a company that was direct sales based. So I'd love for you to kind of share that. You bet. You bet. Well, um, just like you, you know, uh, I think I had met some people in my church that were selling, you know, Amway or something like Mm -hmm. that. And uh, I just remember thinking like, oh, they like me and they want to get to know me and stuff. And then the sales pitch came and I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So they really don't like me. They just want to sell me something. And, um, and so that was kind of why I had that kind of taste in my mouth. And I honestly had never studied it or, you know, I just, somebody must've put it in my brain. Like, oh yeah, it's one of those where everybody at the top gets rich and everybody doesn't get anything. And it's a pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to that party, I didn't think that there, I really enjoyed myself. I was so happy for my friend who got to sell it. Um, but it is really when God said, okay, this is the way this model, your business is going to be set up. You are going to set it up in this model. And that's when I started going, but wait a minute, 
Um, and I did. I, I struggled. And actually, you know, all four founders, we struggled and walked through it. But we recognized very quickly this was the best way to help all of these women around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it made sense. I mean, we on our own, you know, we could do so much more when other people were with in it with us. Yeah. Um, and so looking back now, and here's the thing, I belong to the, Trades of Hope belongs to the Direct Sales Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, we are not a pyramid scheme. And no, not all direct sales are pyramid scheme. As a matter of fact, if you are part of the DSA, you have a very rigorous things you have to go through that um, absolutely declare that you could be a part of that if you were. It right. is illegal. Right. Um, and now that I've met so many of the owners and CEOs of these companies, like, oh man, I was blown away. I mean, amazing people doing amazing things. Yes. You know, at first I thought, oh, well, Trades of Hope is like, you know, we're different. <laughs> you know, we're the ones doing something different. But you know what? Um, Mary Kay, Avon, Pampered Chef, Tastefully Simple, Initials, uh, 31 Gifts. These are amazing companies doing amazing things. And the reason I really want to honor direct sales is when you think back, Avon started in 1886. Wow, I did not realize it started back that long ago. Incredible, right? I mean, and think about this. um, 34 years before women had the right to vote. Wow. Avon started. Wow. 1886. It paved the way for women's rights, for women to be able to um, step out of their homes and work if they needed to, if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wasn't some big corporation dictating, you know, did they have enough education? Women have been allowed to be a part of direct sales. Um, you, You don't need an education. It is all you. You can put as much in it or as little in it as you want. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, from Avon to Tupperware, uh, they've really paved the way for women and opened up doors for women um, in a way that no normal job ever could, first yeah. of all. And it allows women to stay home and raise their kids. It really is a beautiful model. And it really does empower women in a way early on that no other businesses were doing. Um, but then, I mean, first of all, that's amazing to me for, for back then to now to honor this industry. But then also now I feel like I literally, you could drop me off in Ohio or Florida or California and I could be sitting on a corner and I will see the same five stores. I will see, uh, you know, I will see a Walmart, a Target, I will see a Ross, I'll see a McDonald's. Where's the corner store anymore? You know, you used to years ago be able to walk down and see Joe who was, you know, behind the, you know, grocery uh, thing there. Hey, Joe, how you doing? And you had relationships with people. I remember buying from Martin's in my hometown. None of those stores exist anymore. And Mm -hmm. I feel like really, if we realize it, direct sales is the new corner store. It is the new relational. How wonderful that I get to buy from, you know, from Molly, what she's selling, my friend, knowing it's helping her and her family, just like years ago did that we don't do anymore. So I honestly think we're going in a new direction with direct sales that we need to go in for um, entrepreneurship, for our society. That is a beautiful, beautiful direction. And I'm proud of it. I'm super proud of it. I agree. And, uh, and God is big because he knew when I was struggling that this was the best way to cre- uh, create an army of marketers to be able to transform more lives um, of women all over the world coming out of uh, sweatshops, slums, mm. uh, sex trade, while empowering women right here in the United States to own their own business. And I love that. Love it. Oh, amen. 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 I Yes. I. There's so much... I mean, I agree with everything you said. Um, But yeah, I think that, you know, people are like, well, you know, you have the people who, you know, like you, you gave the example of the person who thought you thought you wanted to be your friend and then they give you the the pitch. Yes, there are those people. But guess what? There are going to be those people in 
any industry. I mean, you get, you know, so don't let the few bad apples who don't do it the right way put the bad taste in your mouth for an entire community. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And have grace for them because they're also learning. You know, right. I mean, that's the thing. people come in and they, they are learning. And one thing we teach at Trades of Hope is be authentic, have sincere, sincere relationships, love people, and, you know, right. love people. If it's not for somebody, it's not for them. Um, and you're putting their needs before yourself and, and all of these companies. That is what they're teaching. So you're right. There might be some kooky person that just doesn't get it yet. And they are going to be that way. But don't judge all of direct sales by that person. Exactly, exactly. And I think too, it's a matter of finding a direct sales company that aligns with your vision and aligns with your ideals. Like don't try and become a member of a direct sales company if the products like just aren't something that you want to sell. Like people are going to see right through that. You know, I I started doing the business side of the company I'm with um, because it, I mean, I'd use the products for almost a year because I loved them and I never I never tried to sell them I just kind of was like oh yeah people are like oh what are you using you know because I just I use them so people are asking right. about them so right. you know I think it, it when it when it happens organically like that or if it's a company like like Trades of Hope where you have these amazing products that tell a story of empowerment and um, restoration and you show the the power of education and providing a job and all those kinds of things like those are things that you're passionate about and of course women love accessories. Like, I mean, just <laughs> we're women and we love accessories. So, you know, if, when I think that's important too, is knowing that it's a, a company that you can believe in, a product that you, you, you know, would use and believe in, because then it just, it happens naturally, but you're right. It just, it gives women, it get, and it gives men an opportunity to stay home with their kids, be, be, you know, be present. And not that I, you know, and I don't want anybody listening to think like I'm faulting, you know, people who have a traditional job that that is for some people. I mean, it's just, it gives a more wide variety of opportunities to different types of people because some people are meant to, you know, be working parents and work from a corporate office and their kids go to daycare. And that is awesome. And then there are other parents who may, you know, maybe they want to stay home, but they also need to earn an income. So, you know, it's, you know, it's sort of that different strokes for different folks, like different, you know, knowing what's right for you and your family. And, um, and, but the fact that this exists as an opportunity for people is it's powerful. It is. It, it really is. And I love what you said. You know, God's created us also uniquely. It's not going to work for everybody. It's not going to be the thing that's going to be, you know, for everyone. Yeah. Um, but I will say, you know, in starting businesses, uh, because we've we've owned some other businesses as well, uh, for Trades of Hope, um, to become a compassionate entrepreneur, it's $99. And that, for a lot of the direct sales, it's $99. And the truth is, I wish people didn't see it as a $99 business. Because when you get into a direct sales business, truth, truthfully, you don't have to have a marketing team. You don't have to have a customer service team. You don't have to have, you know, all the accountants. The company does that for you. So that's mm-hmm. the really wonderful thing about joining a direct sales company. If you really want to be able to own your own business and go out on your own, there's not many businesses that you can start for $99. Right. Um, but a lot of people treat it like a $99 business, and that's where they go wrong. What you need to do if you really do want to make it a, um, you know, because Trades of Hope is a beautiful thing where you can come on part-time and just make Christmas money. And right. we love that. If that's what you want to do, that's great. But there are women who have, you know, 
replaced their income and doubled their income as teachers and stuff. Um, and to be able to do that, you do have to treat it like a business. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people look at direct sales and they go, oh, well, it doesn't work. Well, it doesn't work if you don't work. I mean, Exactly. Amen. <laughs> you have to treat it like a job. And I tell you, if you want to be successful, for me to start Trades of Hope and for my, my uh, other partners to start Trades of Hope, we need to wake up every day and be disciplined and do the hard stuff uh, that you have to do when you own your own business. And that's why some people aren't created to own their own business. Because honestly, it takes a lot of discipline when, you know, I can go, you know, read a magazine instead. And I can go, you know, play with my kids instead of making sure that I'm actually putting that time in to invest as if it is uh, working for somebody else. And that's what's mm -hmm. going to be the difference between somebody who really can replace it and become their full-time job is they have to actually invest in it as if it is their full-time job beforehand. And that's not always for everyone. Yes, yes. Um, so I want to transition a little bit to more, uh, talking a little bit more about, so, you know, we've, I realized that we've kind of been talking about Trades of Hope. And so for, for those that, to, to be very direct, <laughs> if you will, so Trades of Hope, so you're a, um, and you're part of the non-Fair uh, Trade Federation, which is awesome. So you're Fair Trade uh, jewelry, accessories, scarves, all all that kind of stuff. Um, and you work in these developing nations all over the world, um, making these beautiful products. So for those that might not, you know, might have the question, and, and I certainly have the question, how, when you got started, how, where did you start? How did you find these groups? Was it just a matter of internet searches? Was it kind of asking your contacts? How did you know where to start? And how did you get connected with these groups? And, you know, how did you start just looking for suppliers? Uh, well, you know, so much is relationships. It really is. And it's um, uh, connecting with people. Uh, because my husband's a pastor, we're connected with missionaries in different countries that have already been on the ground working with groups, loving on groups, trying mm -hmm. to help them in many different facets. Um, Gretchen's connections in Haiti was a main connection that we had uh, because of the orphanage and school that she had started there. Um, she had a lot of great connections there as well. So yeah. we really started uh, in Haiti. Um, and then we connected through um, the Fair Trade Federation and connected with groups uh, around the world. We made tons of mistakes at the beginning at our first party. I think we, I mean, we literally must have had like, I don't know, 200 products out. It was so overwhelming. <laughs> it was actually, we are all about hope, but we started telling stories. I mean, and, and we've been, uh, and one of the things is we bring our compassion entrepreneurs to actually go meet some of the artisans oh, wow. uh, because if they're like me, you, you go, okay, this isn't for real. I mean, mm -hmm. unfortunately, we always are skeptical and we're like, is this really real? So we want them to go visit them and see them firsthand. Um, but sometimes you do, you, you, you see some really hard things that really break your heart. I mean, I was just in Asia and I was in the brothels there. Mm. And um, you have to be careful that when we come back, we are sharing the hope because it is all about hope and it is transforming lives. But sometimes we're sharing and literally like, the first party, like everyone's crying. And oh my so sad. I'm like, who is ever going to want to come to one of these parties again? Like, <laughs> we, we can't do that. We have to make sure these uh, parties are about hope. And, uh, but we had connected with a lot of missionaries um, and in Haiti and had a uh, lot, we had actually a lot of uh, uh, pottery that got broken. So we've learned a lot about what sells, um, shipping prices. Um, we've worked with grassroots groups. My sister was a missionary um, and made connections in Costa Rica. And uh, so we connected with a group over there in the slums. And really transforming those slums has been incredible. A lot of um, uh, 
in Costa Rica, sadly, a lot of American uh, and Canadian men go down there. Sex trafficking and all that is very heavy down there. So we're working with groups in those types of areas down there. Um, but to be able to connect with people on the ground is so vital. Um, we have a lot of grassroots groups, but I, I have to be honest, they are so hard to work with because, you know, sometimes they don't know how to use a computer. Yes. They don't understand you know, FedEx and how to send things. I mean, we literally had one group, I think it was in Cambodia. We, we're working with um, acid attack survivors um, and they sent us all their products wrapped in a shower curtain. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we we really are helping them create sustainable businesses. That's the whole point of Trades of Hope is creating sustainable work uh, and sustainable businesses for them. Um, that's ongoing because really they they don't want charity. They want an opportunity. Yes. And you know people say to us all the time, well, why don't you start a charity? And there is a place for charity without a doubt. I love the hearts of people wanting to help. But what we see a lot is um, that our help is like we feel good about it, but it's not really helping. It's actually hurting. I mean, right. every woman we work with in these countries, they want to be the hero of their own story and the hero to their child. Mm -hmm. They don't want to have to go and stand in line to get a shot for their child. Um, they want to be able to pay for it themselves. They want that dignity. And so one thing that we always say at Trades of Hope is we are a dignified partnership with these women around the mm. world. And they are very proud to, as a matter of fact, when I was in India, I was in the slums of India, sitting on the floor with a group of women, and I was showing them pictures of compassionate entrepreneurs, and I said to them, these women want to thank you. You know, you are helping them put food on their table too. You should have seen these women in the slums all of a sudden straighten up their back and the smiles on their face. It, to dawn on them, we are helping American women too. I love that. Oh I love gosh. that we are providing that dignified partnership with all of these groups that are through fair trade, through missionaries, through those kind of connections. So in a very roundabout way, I answered that question. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, I never, that you saying that, telling the artisans that you're also helping women in America, like that is... That is powerful. And I, you know, I haven't spent a, a lot of time in many developing nations, but I've spent a lot of time in Kenya. And, you know, on my most recent trip in January, you know, just showing, you know, having that relational connection is so important because especially in developing nations, like they are all about relationships. They they just want to invite you into their home. They want to give you some tea. They want to make you some food. They want I mean they just they want to welcome they want, you know, to welcome their guests. And having conversations with a lot of the women that we were visiting, um, you know, just you know, telling them about my kids and what I do with my kids and just, you know, when I would look at their children and say like, oh, you know, my daughter is, the, you know, similar age to your daughter. And, you know, she also loves to just run around and kick a ball, you know, and just giving them that that sense of you know, we're, just, you know, it's like the, the us weekly, like celebrities, they're just like us. Like, it's just, <laughs> I mean, yeah. but in all seriousness, it's just connect, like, we're all women, we're all, you know, mothers, we're sisters, daughters, friends, fathers, husbands, brothers, you know, cousins, just the more that you can relate, uh, the, the bigger impact that has and, and, and the way that they feel empowered, you know, when they're able to also provide for their family. And like you said, they don't want charity. They do not want a handout. They right. don't. No. They want a job. They want a job. They want to be able to provide for their family themselves. Absolutely. I, I love what you said, too, about in the relationships. Because the one thing that I love about Trades of Hope, too, is when you become a compassionate entrepreneur, 
you know, you're invited into people's living rooms, you know, and mm-hmm. I feel like um, when when you get the women in America to grasp that these women are just like us, they love their kids as much as we love our kids. You know, they want to see their kids be able to go to school. They want to see their kids healthy and to open the eyes of a lot of American women who just it's like a world away. Like mm-hmm. they don't realize like they are they are they are you and I. They are our sisters. They are our mothers. Um, as a matter of fact, I was just in Asia a few months ago. And um, it hit me so hard. I was in one of the brothels and uh, we were making connections. We had gone in there and just shared with them, you know, we have this opportunity. If you would like to be able to make jewelry, we would love to invite you to come and make them. And these women, they started asking us all kinds of questions. Where I was at, you're only allowed to have two children uh, a piece. And I have five children. Mm. So you know, we were bonding over our kids and stuff. And, um, it was interesting because when we came in, they kind of stood up and stood in a line wondering like, are they here for our services? And that was a little awkward. And when they realized, no, we were just there just to come love on them and talk to them and connect with them. They all kind of relaxed and everything. But while we were standing, while we were chatting with them on the couch and sharing our stories, I felt like I was with girlfriends. I'm thinking like, I mean, I'm, I'm chatting with these women, like Mm -hmm. they're friends and they have kids and, just like my kids and sharing some of the same stories and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then at that same time, a John came in, a man came in Mm -hmm. pointing at one of the women. They went out in the back and I literally like, I felt my, my heart was going to burst out of my chest Mm -hmm. because we were there to love on them, not judge them. And, and I was just like, I wanted to run back there and like, be like, get away from her. Like pull them back. Like what you, you, what are you doing? You know, but we weren't there at that point for that. That was not our role. Um, Mm. and I, it just, in that moment, I realized that as much as we are alike, this is where we are different. And later as, uh, we left and I was walking and I was like, just so filled with tears. Like, you know, how is it that these women could be just like me, but then this is what their life looks like. And the woman that I was with, she said, Holly, here's the thing. None of these women desire to do this. None of them chose to do this lifestyle, but when they go home, just like you, they have a little kid at home and their little kid saying to them, mommy, my tummy is hungry. Mm. My tummy is hungry. And the mother says, I I need to feed this child. Like, you know, and some other woman offers her, you know, come, this is these women. Now this is different in different cases in different brothels around the world. But in this particular one, um, these women, they want to feed their children. And, uh, I have five kids. I mean, I would do anything for my children. And so sitting there talking to this woman who herself had actually been a brothel owner shared with me, um, you, you say, I will, I would never do that. I would never do that. But when your child looks up and you says, my tummy hurts, I'm hungry. These women go, I'll just do it once. I'll just do it one time. And they do it one time, $20. They go buy food for their child. They feed their child. Guess what? A week later, their child is saying, mommy, my tummy's hungry. My tummy's hungry. And they say, you know what? I'm not going to give away my heart, but you know what? For my child, I will give away my body. And um, I am so proud that with Trades of Hope, we, we're going in and we're giving these women other alternatives because a lot of times they don't read and write. We're working with groups that are teaching them not just how to make jewelry, but how to do accounting, how to use QuickBooks so that they actually can be in a program for two years and then they can go get another job. And that's what these women need. They need options. Um, but so often they just they don't have options. And like you, Molly, you know, we would do anything for our children. When our children are hungry, when our children are hurting, there are things that um, you you can look at other women and think, why would you ever choose to do something like that? Uh, but we we can't judge. We've never been in those circumstances. So I love that we're giving them opportunity to be able to better their life, feed their children, and have jobs they, they take pride in and not have to stand in line for charity. Mm, wow. 
there's so much that I just uh, I wish I could like bottle it up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. So there's one other question I wanted to ask, and it's sort of related. It's related to the artisan groups. Um, so and and the reason I ask is because I so like I said, I've I've done some work in Kenya um, and working with an artisan group there. And as you know, and as you sort of alluded to, one of the challenges of working in a developing nation and working with artisan groups is, you know, lack of access to consistent materials, lack of access to maybe the internet or, you know, reliable shipping. Um, But with all that being said, um, how do you guys sort of, or do you plan sort of your, you know, summer, fall, winter, spring collections? Do you design them in-house in the U.S. and then kind of send those designs to the artisan groups? Or is it sort of the other way around? Do the artisan groups sort of come up with the designs and then, you know, you guys pick from those designs which ones you like best? You know, how does that work? Mm -hmm. Well, kind of all of those things, honestly. I mean, we'd love to see what their natural resources are in their Mm -hmm. country because being fair trade also, we want to be mindful of that. We also want to honor their traditions. You know, if there's been something passed down um, generationally, like weaving and, you know, those types of things, you know, we want to be able to find out what can they they make. And so Mm. some of these groups were making things already. Some of them were in desperate places and we've come in and we've basically flown over there. We've searched what they have and can make and we've trained them to make those things. Wow. So, um, so it's really, all the groups are different. For the most part, though, once we get them going, um, you know, our goal is to see them sustainable uh, and see them flourish and see their pride. So we love to put as much in their hands as we can, but we also want to be wise. I mean, I remember one time saying, well, we need more, you know, like American colors, right? And so they said just like, I think it was bags that were all red, white, and blue because that they're thinking that's American colors. And so that was kind of funny. Um, but you know, uh, we do, you know, there's trends here in the United States. And so, and we, so we definitely work with them. Um, we allow them to send us like what they've created. Then we'll say, well, let's add this and let's switch this up and let's, you know, um, you know, make this be a little bit more in line with the trends We're you know, we're 18 months out. So we're always looking ahead and looking at those trends and really helping them, uh, to understand how that, how that works. The challenges are very high. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. I mean, mm-hmm. that will always be the challenge with Trades of Hope is, I mean, we have artists and groups that email us um, or get connected with us for different reasons weekly. Like this is the hardest part for me is we need more compassionate entrepreneurs. We need more people who will will join Trades of Hope um, and we need them to join it to create a business for themselves because if they do it just as a hobby or they do it just because they want to, I want to help, um, that's wonderful. But we really do want people who want to grow a business because that's what creates businesses for these women. You know, if you're successful, she's successful. If a compassionate entrepreneur is successful, if she's getting a good paycheck, that means the women around the world are getting a good paycheck. And the challenges that we see are exactly what you said. Sometimes, um, you know, we literally, uh, we get an email saying like the cow festival is going on. So there's cows everywhere in the road and we can't get through (laughs) to FedEx, you know, and we're trying to explain that to our compassionate entrepreneurs who, you know, if you've become a compassionate entrepreneur, these women have the biggest heart you ever seen. I adore them. And they are so filled with love for our artisans, but sometimes their customers are just a customer who wanted a pretty necklace. And so we're trying to explain, well, the reason we can't get you your necklace is because the cows were in the road (laughs) or, 
or, or honestly worse, there was an epidemic that came through um, or there was an earthquake that just happened in yeah. Bangladesh. And, you know, so there are those challenges are very real because oftentimes we're working with villages. We're working way out. Uh, we were just in the Philippines driving three hours out. So, yeah, there's a lot of challenges that are hard for us when it comes to uh, shipping times and all that. And I'm really proud of our, our home team at Trades of Hope uh, because uh, they really do balance loving the artisans and our artisans. That is why we started. So they will always be an incredibly important part at the forefront of Trades of Hope. Mm. And it is hard to build a business. And we've had to be very straightforward with our compassion entrepreneurs and teach them how to talk to their customers. Because, you know, when you're making a living off of it, you quit your job, you're making a living with Trades of Hope. You do expect us to get you your products on time and be professional yep. and all that. So we want that and we are creating that. But it does make it very hard when um, you have an epidemic in a country or, you know, something recently just happened where, you know, the group was a younger group and they said, oh, well, we couldn't find the red dye. So all of the bags we sent you are pink. Uh. Well, in our catalog is red. So do we send them back? Well, you know what? Honestly, Molly, if we send them back, that could devastate that group. I mean, yeah. completely like they could not afford it. So Trades of Hope eats that and we try to sell them in a different way. And our, our compassion entrepreneurs have been wonderful. They get why we do that. But yeah. um, at the end of the day, you know, they're, they've now chosen to make a living like that and they also need to put food on their table. So we have to stay professional while making sure our artisans are really loved and cared for. So you, you definitely, uh, hit the challenge of working in these developing countries on the head. It is not easy. Um, I'm glad I didn't know how hard it would be, <laughs> but um, it is worth it because when you go and you can see people who um, literally did not have a house, now they can afford a house. You're yeah. seeing women just standing outside one of our artisan groups um, that are uh, holding their twin babies saying, I just need a job and I can keep them and I can feed them. If I don't get a job, I'm going to have to, hand them over to an adoption agency because I, I can't mm. afford to feed them. Mm -hmm. Like when you know that moms are keeping their babies mm. because of the work that Trades of Hope is doing and the work that the Compassion Entrepreneurs are doing, it is so, so worth it. Mm. Yes, it is just part of a bigger plan and a bigger story. And there's just so much. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's so much more that you are, you know, this is legacy impacting. Mm -hmm. generational uh, impact is happening. And I mean, educationally, for, for these moms to be able to send their children to school. And oh, Trades absolutely. of Hope also has a, uh, a Gifts of Hope program that we're super proud of. You know, it's sort of like a, a tithe. We give back 10% of our net pro profits. And we, we um, have a school in India um, that we fully support, uh, the mm. teachers and all that. And then we also are supporting a school in Haiti. And that was our dream, that we would be able to um, start schools, that we would be able to help people, women start jobs. So we buy chickens and goats and baking machines. And um, we actually put back, and, not, and some of this never comes back to Trades of Hope. So, But it's through these sales that we are hugely being able to create um, other businesses for people, mm -hmm. but also education, which as you said, I mean, it is changing the future of so many of our artisans' children's lives will forever be different because now they're able to be educated. And it's because of the sales through Trades of Hope. And it's through um, our compassion entrepreneurs falling in love with what they do and making such a huge impact um, in, in these artisans' lives is incredible. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. Holly, thank you so much for sharing your story, for uh, just your passion and your your transparency in talking about the struggles and how this wasn't always necessarily what you thought you'd be doing and um mm-hmm. but your your willingness to just trust and listen to uh, what you feel like God was calling you to do and um just look at the legacy that you're you're leaving and and the you know just the the lives that are being impacted because of uh because of what you're doing and um what the other you know what the other your other founders are doing and what the uh, compassionate entrepreneurs are doing and, and the artisans. So uh, just thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, it is, it is such an honor to, um, to ever be used by God in any way. And like mm. I said, I pinch myself every day and I think is this really my life. I get to travel the world, make an impact, meet the most incredible women here in the United States and, and around the world and women like you, Molly, who are making a difference by mm. highlighting that there's so much good in the world. There really and, is. Uh, we yes. need to hear more about that. <laughs> yes, yes. So if people want to find out more about how they can uh, just, you know, if they're just interested in shopping Trades of Hope, um, or if there's somebody listening who is interested in becoming a compassionate entrepreneur, um, how do they do that? Yes, get on our website, uh, tradesofhope.com. We would love to connect you with a compassionate entrepreneur in your area. If you want to host, if you want to buy, you can click somebody in your area and buy off of their website. Um, uh, and, and we are praying for more compassionate entrepreneurs uh, who who want to have a career that feeds their soul. And truly, that's what Trades of Hope does for me and the other compassionate entrepreneurs. So tradesofhope.com, and we'd love to hook you up. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Holly. Uh, I For those that are listening, I will make sure to have all of the um, information and links in the show notes. So be sure to check that out and uh, be sure to just, you know, show Holly some love and uh, and just tell her how, you know, what this uh, what this episode meant to you and um, and, you know, just thank her for all that she's done. And uh, be sure to find a Trades of Hope uh, entrepreneur in your area. Awesome. Thank you so much, Molly. Oh my goodness. I loved this conversation with Holly. She is incredible. She really pushes and challenges me to figure out ways that I can do better and do more and and not live in fear. I also would love to hear your feedback on our conversation about direct sales. I loved what she said about how direct sales is basically like the new corner store, how we can support moms and dads and families and small business owners in such a unique way by shopping through our friends and direct sales. Yes, like we said, there's there's not always people that do it right, but it can be such a great and empowering business model. I just thought it was such a fun and unique conversation. And I really would love to hear your feedback on it. So like I said, be sure to use the hashtag Business With Purpose podcast. Leave us some love on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you are connected on social media, we are there. So be sure to let us know what you thought. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.